0: وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِيْثَاقَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلُ لَا تَعْبُدُونَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا So we have read the first two clauses. The first one, worship only Allah. And secondly, with the parents, do Ihsan. But is Ihsan, good treatment, limited to only one's parents? No. Also, وَذِلْ قُرْبَى And also close relatives. Meaning do Ihsan to your close relatives also. Now this word ذِلْقُرْبَ ذِي ذِي is used for a person who owns or has something. Possessor. And القُرْبَ means relationship. So korba meaning one of a close relationship. Meaning somebody who is closely related to you. And you see the word قَرِيب is also from the same root. قَافْرَبَ قَرِيب is who? One who is near or close. So ذِلْقُرْبَ Close relatives do ihsan to them also. Yatama And the orphans. Yatama is a plural of Wal وَالْمَسَاكِينَ And also those in need. مَسَاكِينَ is a plural of مِسْكِين. So now we see over here that the Bani Israel were instructed to do ihsan to who? Their parents, qurba Close relatives, the orphans, and those in need. Parents, we discuss. Now, what about ذِلْقُرْبَ? People who are close to you. What does it mean by this? People who are close to you. People who you are best buddies with. Because you have a streak going on with them for like 200 days maybe. So they are your best, best, best friend or besties or whatever. Is that who a ذِلْقُرْبَ is? ذِلْقُرْبَ is someone who is close to you because you share the same blood. Okay? You share the same blood. Meaning, they are related to you through blood. So, who would this include? Of course it includes one's parents. But who else? Siblings. Then also, children. And then, from your parents, your uncles and your aunts, your grandparents. So, all of these are included in the qurba. So, do ihsan with the close relatives. Hmm... What does this mean? That you start with those who are closest to you. So, for example, you're living with your siblings and your parents. So you're like, oh, I'm supposed to do ihsan with my parents. You are also supposed to do ihsan with your siblings. So, you know, your annoying younger brother or your annoying older brother or your sister, whoever it is, we are supposed to do ihsan with them also. In what way? In all those four ways. Which four ways? Through speech, use good language, kind language with them. Don't always be yelling at them and arguing with them and attacking them and being passive-aggressive. No, be good, be kind, be friendly. So firstly, through speech. Secondly, through actions. Don't pinch them and poke them and pull their hair and harass them all the time. No, do something that will help them. Do something good for them. Pick up their laundry sometimes. You can pass them the spoon. You can pass them the milk from the fridge. This is all ihsan with the siblings. Okay? Then not just words and actions, but also your stuff. Do ihsan with your relatives through your stuff. Meaning share that with them. Give them something of it. And then of course with your status also. Like for example what happens is that you are, let's say in grade 12 and you've taken your grade 12 math, for example, and your sister or your brother is in grade 10, and they're struggling with something, can you help them with their homework? Helping them with their homework, helping them with their project, would be what? Ihsan with them. You know what that means? If you help your brother with his project, or with his assignment, or with his exam, you help them figure things out, and you help them learn, even for that, you will get reward. Can you imagine? You will get reward for helping your siblings with their homework. So wadil qurba And this is not just siblings, but also other close relatives, your grandparents, your uncles and your aunts. And in the case of those who have children, ihsan with your children also, because sometimes we think that it's only Children who are supposed to treat us with respect. And as parents, we can treat our children however we want. We can yell at them. We can be overly controlling. And we can be very demanding. And we can say whatever. No. As parents also, you are required to do ihsan to your children. Our religion is very fair. Because it is the religion of Allah. So where parents are given their rights, even children are given their rights. ذِي Qurba includes children. In a hadith we learn the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever would like his provision to be increased, who wants that their money should increase? Who wants that? Everybody, right? Whoever would like his provision to be increased and his lifespan to be extended. Who wants to live a long life? Think everybody. You don't want to die. We don't want to die. Death is like scary. So whoever wants... To have more money and a longer life, let him uphold the ties of kinship. The Prophet ﷺ advised us to do this: that be good to your relatives. Then, after the relatives, also do ihsan to who? To the orphans. Now, who is an orphan? Who's a yatim? Yatim is actually a child, okay? A child whose father has died. Before that child reached the age of puberty. And it doesn't mean that he has left, no, it means he has died. Only then that child is Yatim. So a 24 year old is not a Yatim. Okay? If their father dies, they're not a Yatim. Yatim is who? Someone who has not reached the age of puberty and their father has died. This is Yatim. So Allah says, do Ihsan towards the orphans, be good to them also. And if you think about it, Do ihsan with the parents, why? Because they've always been good to you. Do ihsan with the relatives, why? Because they've also been good to you. But do ihsan with the orphans, what do you get in return from them? Or what favor have they done to you? Nothing. But they still deserve ihsan because of who they are. They deserve good treatment. Because sometimes what happens is we only choose to treat those people good from whom we expect something in return. But what are we being taught over here? treat people good because they deserve to be treated in a good way. We learned that Dawood السلام, he said that, kal abil rahim, Be like a merciful father towards the orphan. Sometimes we think that sponsoring an orphan, so sending them, let's say, a dollar a day, or like ten dollars a month or fifty dollars a month, that is ihsan with the yatim. That is part of ihsan with the yatim, But that's not everything. Doing ihsan towards the yateem is also giving love and support, showing kindness. And we think that we can only be good to a yateem if we get to visit an orphanage. That is one way, but that's not the only way. Maybe someone in your friend circle, maybe in your extended family, there is somebody like that, a young child whose father is not there, they have passed away, So what is our responsibility? To think of them as a charitable case that okay, whatever old clothes we have, we can give them? No. Ihsan, again remember four things. Ihsan does not just mean monetary help. It means you speak to them in a good way. You treat them in a good way. You do things for them that they will like. You give them respect. You show them love. You give them emotional support. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, فَأَمَّا الْيَتِيمَ فَلَا تَقْهَرَ As for the orphan, do not oppress him. So ihsan with parents, ذِلْقُرْبَةَ And now, Yatama also. After the orphans, مساكين. Who are مساكين? مسكين. مسكين is from سَكَنَة seen noon And sakana is to be immobile, like to be still, to be stuck, like you're not free to move. Or you are in one place. Now what happens is that sometimes you don't move because you are stuck and sometimes you don't move because you cannot you don't have the opportunity you don't have the ability so miskeen is someone whose condition is stagnant or he is stuck in his condition why because of poverty so if he wants to go somewhere he cannot afford the bus ticket you understand this is different from fakir. Faqir is someone who has nothing. Miskeen is someone who has something, but not enough. Not enough. So where he has clothes to wear, but he doesn't have enough. And by enough, I don't mean like 25 shirts. I mean like basic necessities even. So ihsan to the masakeen also. Like for example, a person may be unemployed because of health reasons. Or for some other reason, and now, they cannot afford to even pay for their gas or buy their groceries. So this is part of miskeen. In a hadith we learn the Prophet ﷺ said, the one who looks after the widows or people in need is like a mujahid in the way of Allah. Imagine, think about the sahaba who are going out for the battle of Badr. Is that easy? It's not easy. So someone who is striving to help out those in need, helping them out. His status is similar to the one who is in the way of Allah or like him who performs prayers all night and fasts all day. You're fasting all day, but are you able to pray all night? You're not able to pray all night. Maybe you're up all night, but what are you doing? Maybe eating and you know talking and hanging out in the masjid. You know We go to the masjid to pray, but then we pray two rakah and then we're like, you know what, it's not fault, so let me just go play basketball outside. We're not even able to do that. Pray all night. But a person who looks after those in need, then his status is so great. Then Allah says, وَقُولُوا لِلنَّاسِ husna." The next thing they were commanded to do was to speak to people in a good way. This is also a form of ihsan. But what kind of ihsan is this? This is ihsan that you can do towards all people. When it comes to your money, can you give money to everybody? No. When it comes to physically helping people out, can you do that for everybody? No, you can help out some people, but not everybody, right? But when it comes to speaking in a good way, can you speak to everybody in a good way? Yes. So waqulu linnasi husna. You can speak in a good way to those whom you know, and also those that you don't know—strangers and friends, those who are worthy of pity and those who are not. So قُلُوا لِلنَّاسِ husna. And this includes two things. Speaking to people in a good way includes two things. Firstly, that what you say, meaning the content of your speech is good. So for example, it is truthful, it is polite, it is respectful, it is good advice, it is not a mean joke. And secondly, the manner, the manner in which you speak should also be Good. Like for example, the volume, the pitch, the manner, the facial expression, that should also be good. So وَقُولُوا لِلنَّاسِ husna. And we learn that we have to speak in a good way to all people, even if they're your enemies. Because in the Quran, in Surah An Kabut Ayah forty six, Allah says, وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا أَهْلَ al kitabi illa bin ahsan. Even when you have to argue, only argue in a way that is good. In a way that is excellent. So, lin لِلنَّاسِ husna. Now what happens is that we all like to be spoken to in a good way. Isn't it? Like for example, if you go to buy something at a store and the lady at the cash was very mean to you or like very dry and rough. So what do you do? Do you get offended? You do. You're like, why do you have to speak to me in that way? What did I ever do to you? Alright? If somebody speaks to us in a mean way, we get offended. But then what does that mean? What we like for ourselves, we should also like for other people. If we like to be spoken to with dignity, then we have to speak to others in a dignified way also. Now what happens is, for example, many parents, they don't like that their children should answer back or raise their voice. But you as a parent have to see how often do you raise your voice with your children. What kind of language do you use towards your children? When you're upset with them, how do you correct them? Are you insulting them? Or are you advising them? Are you correcting them? Or are you humiliating them? And the thing is that the way we speak to someone, that is the way in which they will speak to us also. Because, has it ever happened with you that somebody's speaking to you in a very soft way? So, what happens? You also become very soft. Somebody's speaking to you in a very loud way. So, what happens? You also become loud. They're joking, so you also start joking. They're speaking in a certain accent, so what happens to your accent? That also kind of changes. Right? So, the way we speak to others is the way that others will also speak to us. So, waqoolu nasi husna. Now what happens is that no matter how much we try, we're like, okay, today I'm going to speak in a good way with my mom. Today I'm not going to yell at my children. Today I'm not going to argue with my husband. Today I'm not going to insult somebody. Today I'm not going to backbite. But then what happens? Do we slip? We all do. But then that's the thing. As soon as you realize you said something not right, you said something in an inappropriate way, what do you do? Seek forgiveness from Allah. Turn back. Fix yourself. Don't stay stuck over there. The Prophet ﷺ said that the believer is not one who taunts excessively. The believer does not taunt excessively. What does that mean? That if somebody says, oh, where were you? It's like, oh, where were you? If somebody asks you, have you seen so and so? And you're like, you think I know everything in this world? You think I'm a psychic? You think I'm a this, I'm a that? Right? So that's not cool. The Prophet ﷺ said, the believer is not someone who taunts excessively, all the time, taunting, taunting, taunting. No. Nor one who frequently curses. A believer does not frequently curse. What does that mean? That sometimes there are those slips where there is a curse word or something. Sometimes it happens. But it's not a habit. It's not a habit. It should not be done all the time. It should not be done every day in every argument. Nor is he vulgar. A believer is not vulgar in his speech using words that people find difficult to even hear. Which is why they are bleeped out. So a believer will not even say those words because they are obscene. And if you think about it, so many curse words, what are their meanings? They are horrible, obscene. So a believer is not vulgar or obscene in speech. He's not like that. It does not befit a believer. So, وَقُولُوا لِلنَّاسِ husna. So don't be indecent, rude, harsh, blaming, argumentative. No, rather exhibit good manners, tolerance, patience in speech. Then we have, وَأَقِيمُوا salah. The Bani Israel were also commanded, establish the prayer. What does that mean? Perform the prayer regularly, consistently, properly. And there's four things that come in establishing the prayer. And what are they? First of all, we have here in your notes, the four things are that you pay attention to. Firstly, the prerequisites of salah. What are the prerequisites? The conditions that you have to meet before starting the prayer. What are they? Wudu. Right, you have to face the qibla. You have to wear proper clothing. Your clothing must be clean. So prerequisites, fulfill them. Secondly, pillars, the arkan of salah also you must observe. What are the arkan of salah? Arkan of salah are those aspects of salah which you must perform. And this means that if you don't perform them, your salah is not valid. It's not complete. And you can't say, well, you know what, I'll just do sajda sahu at the end. No, that's not going to work. Like for example, you have to pray four rak'ah for zuhur. Can you say when you start, man, I'm really tired, I'm just going to finish at two. Can you do that? No. Or for example, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to skip the sujood. I'll just do one such thing I'll just skip the rukur. Can you do that? No. You have to fulfill all of these. Then thirdly, the mandatory elements. And these are those parts of the prayer which you must perform. But if let's say you forget to perform it, then you have to do sajda sahuh. So for example, you forgot to say a surah after surah al-fatihah. Or you forgot to say the first the shahud. You forgot to say something in salah. So then what do you do? You have to do sajda sahuh. And the fourth is that you also perform the preferred matters. The preferred matters, these are basically the sunnahs of salah. Like for example, you are standing in salah. And your arms are kind of getting tired, so you're like, okay, I'll just drop my hands. You know? No, how did the Prophet ﷺ stand? With his hands on his chest? Likewise, you're sitting in the tashahud, and you're like, I'm really tired of having my foot in this position, so I'm just going to sit however. Can you sit however? No, you should sit the way the Prophet ﷺ sat. So أَقِيمَ salah, Establish the prayer. wa'atu zakah And give the zakah. And zakah, as you know, is the amount that you have to give on a certain type of money at a certain time of the year. And what does zakah do? It purifies your wealth and it also brings about barakah. So, What did the Bani Israel do? This promise was taken from them. But what did the Bani Israel do? Then you turned away. Now, Tawallaytum is from the root letters, u, lam, ya. And Tawalli is to turn away from something physically. What does that mean? Like for example, you are sitting doing your work. And you're tired of sitting. So you're like, I need to go. So you leave your desk and you go away. This is Tawalli. You turned away from your work. Okay? But the thing is that when you do tawalli, when you turn away from something physically, you have the intention to come back. Isn't it? Like, for example, you left your work, but you know you're going to come back and finish it later. But what happened over here? Summa tawallaitum, you turned away, meaning you did not fulfill this covenant. Illa qadilam minkum, except a very few of you, O Israel, wa antum And you were. Ones who are averse, مُعْرِضُونَ is the plural of مُعْرِض and مُعْرِض is from عَيْن رَضَاد and Irad is the aversion of the heart when you're no longer interested in doing something. So what happened over here, they broke the covenant and they had no intention of going back to it. No intention. You know for example, a person, they know they're supposed to pray. But then what happens? They get lazy, شَيْطَانَ overcomes them and they're like, I'm not going to pray. So they don't pray. One is that they say, I'll pray later. You understand? They say, I'll pray later. This is, I mean, bad, but not very bad. But if a person says, I'm not praying. And you know what? I'm done. I don't pray. This is, وَأَنْتُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ This is worse. Because It is human. To make a mistake. It is human that you get bored. Or you get lazy. You get affected by shaitan. So you discontinue the good you were supposed to do. But you should always have the intention to come back to it. Like for example you say that I know that I'm supposed to be good with my parents and I'm trying but I'm just focusing on one thing right now. Inshallah with time I am going to be good with my parents. I am going to. Right now, things are not that good, but inshallah, I will fix them. This attitude is healthy. And we should always have this attitude. But if a person has this attitude of, you know what, forget it. I don't do this stuff. This is, ثُمَّ تَوَلَّيْتُمْ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِنْكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ مُعْرِضُونَ You turned away. Now, in our hadith, we learn that a Bedouin came to the Prophet ﷺ while he was traveling. And He said that tell me something that will bring me closer to paradise and keep me far from hell. Tell me one thing I can do which will take me closer to Jannah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, worship Allah, do not associate anything with Him, perform the prayer, pay zakat, and maintain ties of kinship. Be good to all of your relatives, the parents, and everybody else also. But the Bani Israel, they committed to do this, but then they broke it they broke this promise and they had no intention of going back